state. Your team. Your show. This is Sports Nightly. The triangle formation of the near side. JD's put out left. They look left. Back to throw is Adrian. He could step up and he's going to try to run for the pylon. He's to the five. He lays out. He's in. That's a two-point play for Nebraska. And they've tied this game in Champaign at 35 apiece. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Here we are, Thursday night edition of Sports Nightly. For some of you, your holiday weekend is underway. Good for you. Get outside, enjoy yourself. Going to be nice, hot, perfect time. Maybe go lay around in a hammock, sit out on a lake somewhere. Uh, be safe with your out shooting off some fireworks. Uh, ben says it's good now that it's July. You're, you you have his blessing. Fire yeah, my fireworks. blessing. Uh, they started at 11 a.m. in my neighborhood today, believe it or not. Good start, yeah. Yep. Good start. Speaking of Lake, did you see the, the Husker football Twitter account today? Put out a, oh, probably a minute, minute and a half sights and sounds of it looked like a good chunk of the team uh, riding four-wheelers, uh, some out laying in the lake. It looked like a blast. Those guys look like they are having fun. Yeah, they've done a couple of those. There was a paintball video not that long ago, and uh, the D lineman posted a video that they were out messing around on a boat. That's good. Go spend some uh, some quality time with each other. If you can't, you know, bond together on the field, you may as well bond together off the field. And with plenty of newcomers out there, it's a good good chance for everybody to get acclimated, get comfortable with who they're going to be lining up next to. Hopefully, as soon as this fall. I'm a big believer in those type of things. I, I think you have to you have to try to have fun together to then go kind of be prepared for battle in the fall. I mean, if if you if you're if you're really pulling for your buddies on your left and your right, I think you give a little bit more effort. I think that's a huge part of of building a team, particularly in the sport of football, where you're so reliant on the guys around you. Yeah, I mean, if you've played a competitive sports for a number of years, you know that you know some teams are closer than others. Just uh, you know how you are with uh, you know some members of the team and uh, how you guys bond together. And you're right, you know it makes you know I was a baseball player. It makes those those double and triple headers in tournament time in 110 degree heat a little easier when you really like the guys that you're playing with and you're playing for. Um, you know when you're pitching and you don't have a lot left in the tank, it, it makes it easier to dig deep and um, you know you're battling a sore arm or whatever it makes it easier to to go through and want to fight through that stuff as opposed to what it would be like if you know you didn't necessarily have that tight relationship or that tight bond with your teammates and th- that that type of feeling only gets amplified the older you get you know the college level and then at the professional level you know if, if you're in, if you're a professional and you don't have the you know respect for the guys that you're playing with or um, you know, you're treating it as just a business and, and no bonding and all that, you're not going to be very successful. And I think that's, you know, there's a, a series on YouTube that the Chiefs put out, Greg, of kind of their season from the really starting from the off season all the way through the Super Bowl. And you, you could get a sense of how close the Kansas City Chiefs were as a football team and the stuff that they would do off the field and, and the bonds that they created, even with the newcomers, Tyron Matthew and Frank Clark, and then going to get a guy like T-Sizzle and Ter- Terrell Suggs. Um, you know, a lot of different uh, routes to get to Kansas City, but you saw them band together and, and play very well together. And, you know, I think that the same can be said for, for teams that – 
Um, you know, maybe have really great players, but don't, you know, how about the Pittsburgh Steelers, for example, when you had guys like Ben Roethlisberger and Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown? I mean, Mike Tomlin had to somehow find a way to hold that locker room together, um, you know, and I think, you know, the same can be said in, in college sports, too, when you're 0-6 uh, in Scott Frost's first year, when you're uh, getting blown out by Ohio State, you lose that tough game against Colorado I think, uh, you know, you need to have that type of stuff in the locker room, and a lot of that leadership for Nebraska is gone. And so, you know, it's important to, to have stuff like this. And, and, Greg, you and I see it a ton because we're around different teams. You know, I always say, say to our, our freshman baseball players, you know, we don't really get to know you guys until you're sophomores because of how quiet you are and how long it takes for them to really feel like they can be themselves. And Darren Erstad said that same thing. It's not just baseball. It's all the sports. Think about how much easier it would be for, you know, a guy from, you know, Wandale Robinson in Frankfort, Kentucky, or, you know, Omar Manning coming from a JUCO in Texas, or Sevion Morrison, a running back from Oklahoma, you know, where you don't really know anybody, and you end up coming to Nebraska and, you know, having to make these bonds with guys that you don't know makes it a little easier to strap up the pads when you know a little bit about them when that time comes around. You know, and you've, you do a Husker game day with Brendan Stye, and he talks a lot about his position group in college that offensive line room and how those guys are still really tight to this day and how they would do a lot of things together as a as an offensive line room just on their own they would go out and maybe go to a pizza place and have a couple of order a bunch of pizzas and sit there and i think that's you have kind of the football's such a big group that you have the subsets of the your position room is who you get to be so tight with yeah, and I think, you know, again, it's not just relative to football. I mean, the, the examples are countless when it comes to uh, when it comes to that, right? Position groups, I, I'm thinking of the wideouts a few years ago when you had guys like Stanley Morgan and Westy and DeMornay and, and, and Brandon Riley. That group was really close. Um, uh, the, the linebacker group uh, a few years back, you had obviously the O-line groups are always ones that are, that are kind of bonding together but Greg then you think about in baseball you know we had Robbie Palkard on earlier this summer uh, talking about that bullpen that Nebraska had a few years ago and how those guys were constantly hanging out with one another you know teasing each other picking on each other and and then obviously there for each other when things got tough but you know he, he talked about the same things we are about how easy it is to want to go compete when you know the guys that you're you're playing with are your best friends and so yeah you love to see that stuff especially when you see the newer players that are coming from all over the the country and I, I love to see the d-line with Feldarius Payne and and Jordan Riley and guys that you know who are still learning what Lincoln's all about learning what their new teammates are all about you have guys like Ben Stilley and Casey Rogers and other players that have been here for a few years that they, they understand it and they know it but some of these other players and you know, Keem Green even kind of falls in that category mm -hmm. of, 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 you know, getting to know his new teammates and um, really what uh, what their room's going to be all about. Well, it's really fun. If you go on the – go if you're on Twitter, go to the, the Nebraska football account and you can watch that video. It's really well done, as a lot of those have been, just the guys having a good time out and around the lake. Some of the guys weren't around the lake. They'd go get a four-wheeler and drive down some paths and 
that's cool and that's fun for them. Husker coaching staff band is hoping to hear more than just they're going to they're hoping to hear a different kind of firework over the weekend as Latrell Neville, the really uber talented wide receiver, is set to to make his decision this weekend. A four star wide receiver, another big bodied guy, six foot four, had originally been committed to Virginia Tech, decommitted from them a couple of weeks ago. A lot of the the predictors are saying it's going to be Nebraska. Who knows? We'll find out. I guess in a couple of days, but. If this if this one comes home, if this one lands in you, this would be a huge get for Nebraska and, and and the offense for the future for Husker football. Yeah, six foot three, nearly two hundred pounder. I mean, all of the experts are are picking him to go to Nebraska, but as you and I know, we don't we don't necessarily believe it or or you know wait for it to happen until it happens and and the other thing that that's nice about neville greg he's a texas kid and and Mm -hmm. that that's one area too where we've heard a lot about the southeast we've heard a lot about the 500 mile radius but how about the state of texas to continue to pull recruits out of that state is going to be huge and um this as you said you know this is a guy that uh was committed to virginia tech and I mean, the, the offers are, are all there, right? I mean, it starts with Alabama. You, you see Alabama on any list, and you know that's going to be enough to get your attention. Auburn, Florida, Florida State, Georgia, LSU, Kentucky, Michigan, Ohio State. And this guy could go anywhere he wants. And, and for Nebraska to be in there this late and you know have his attention, um, a three- or a four-star, depending on what service you look at. But I think the most important – uh, nugget here, six foot three. You've got another big-bodied receiver that could potentially find his way to Lincoln, and you know I, I'm remembering of a commitment. Well, at this point, was more than five years ago with Freedom Akimaladen on the Fourth of July. Latrell Neville could be the next big one that that comes on the Fourth of July for the Big Red and get Independence Day started the right way. It sure would. I mean, it would back up getting Omar Manning and Xavier Betts, two bigger-bodied guys in this class that are now here on campus and ready to roll uh so keep your eye out fans on on independence days when he says he's going to drop the announcement of where he's going to go this would be a huge catch for nebraska again it wouldn't be official until december uh so i guess um celebrate softly maybe but it would be a big coup if nebraska could pull this off we'll certainly be monitoring that we'll have a full report for you on monday's show Sports riders, they never get time off, and that's why Mitch Sherman was available to us tonight. Hello, Mitch. How are you? Hey, Greg. How are you? I'm good. Are you a big 4th of July guy? Do you, do you like to shoot fireworks off? Is that big for you? Um, well, I'm supposed to be taking my kids to get pick up some fireworks here when we get done talking. I'm not uh, too crazy about it at my, at my um, current state of fatherhood with uh, younger kids who want to light them off. Uh, when I was their age, I, I liked doing it. So that's, that's about the, uh, the cycle of my fireworks uh, enjoyment right there. You've aged, you've matured, you, you've seen the air of your ways, that, that type of thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, be safe when you're out there. It, it scares me a little bit when you get some of those things in the hands of little folks. But So be safe, and we want everybody to be safe out there. All right, uh, here we are. The month of July is upon us, and, and everybody's kind of wondering where, where we're headed with this thing. What did you make of Scott Frost's meeting earlier this week with a couple of the big papers in the state? What would you get out of some of those comments that he put out? Well, you continue to see the energy and attention that Nebraska has given this situation um, with the pandemic. And, you know, he offered more details than what we heard uh, earlier in June when he did a Zoom call with 
a bunch of writers and broadcasters. Um, definitely went more in depth on what Nebraska's doing. I, I, I would say Nebraska should feel, feel really good uh, about, one, the results that it's gotten, the numbers uh, that Scott Frost handed out among the football players and actually among the entire uh, group of student athletes who are back on campus are considerably lower than what you're seeing at a number of schools, especially in the South and the Southwest. And then just the overall plan for what they have in store for this, this group. You know, I think if you're looking only at Nebraska, then you feel pretty good about where things are at with college football. Unfortunately, it takes a lot of teams to make this sport go and things across the country, uh, both on campuses and in the States where those campuses are located, aren't going quite as well. So I took that away. And then obviously, uh, was interested in the comments that he made about Adrian Martinez and um, Adrian's, um, you know, desire to have more attention to detail or more attention to detail in his in his preparation. I'll, I'll be interested when Adrian does an interview. Um, you know, presumably as we get closer to fall camp, uh, you know how he feels about that and and um, you know what he has to say looking back on last season. Now that he's got some some perspective. Busy again with Mitch Sherman of The Athletic. You did a, a, a profile piece on Luke McCaffrey, who would be one of the other guys in that quarter quarterback room along with Martinez. What, what, uh, Where was your angle with, with the McCaffrey story? Right. You know, more just a, an opinion piece about where I feel Nebraska should be with McCaffrey right now. Um, you know, my, my, my point of view, you know, going into the spring, um, you know, I, I think it was pretty clear cut or it was clear cut, at least in my mind, in, in what Nebraska needed to do with McCaffrey. One, they needed to let him compete for the job. And two, if he came out of the thing not as the starting quarterback, it needed to find a way to get him on the field. Because I, I think, you know, and we saw it in, in very limited action a year ago, but when he was on the field, you know, he brought um, a certain kind of electricity. Uh, you know, defenses have to pay attention to him. Uh, and I don't think Nebraska is in a place yet with still so many inexperienced players at the skill positions on offense where you can afford to have a guy who's that talented on the sideline in a traditional backup quarterback role. And, you know, things have changed somewhat. One, the Huskers got just two of 15 spring practices, so that cuts down on your ability to compete at the quarterback spot. And then the big one is Noah Vedrill is gone. If Noah Vedrill was there as as a safeguard, um, you know, as the guy who can who can be your number two quarterback and do it very well, or be your number one quarterback if if need be, I think that really would have freed Nebraska up with McCaffrey to make him, um, you know, something special in this offense. And you know, I what I wrote this week is that still needs to happen. Um, you're still in the same spot w- with his talent, and you know, I think Luke and you heard the comments from Scott Frost a few weeks ago about the way that Luke has progressed, in his opinion, in Scott's opinion, through this off season. Um, you know, he is studying football. He's throwing the ball well. I think he's a guy going into his second year who you can trust to do the job and be the backup quarterback and be ready to be one snap away, but also contribute to your offense in some other kind of way. You know, I don't I don't think Nebraska should move him full-time to receiver. I don't think they should put him at running back. I think they just need to have him some packages in their offense for him to be able to contribute and really put a lot of stress on opposing defenses. How about giving him a series or two a game, or is that too extreme? No, I think that's part of it. I think part of it is putting him back there at quarterback, whether it's a series or a play. You know, you saw it at the end of the Iowa game, and we kind of cringe and think about the results because that did not go well when Nebraska brought McCaffrey in on the last offensive series of the season 
and there was a penalty on the play. It was kind of a broken play a bit. It was He, he snapped the ball with two seconds uh, on the clock. I, I don't look at that as representative of what's going to happen if Nebraska brings McCaffrey into important situations. Um, that that uh, It's unfortunate that that's the last – that the last vision that we have of him coming in to spell Martinez for a play here or a play there. You remember earlier in the game, he did the same thing and he threw a touchdown pass. So I think more often than not, you're going to get good results. I think they should do that. I think they should bring him in for a series. I think they should bring him in with Martinez on the field and put him at a different position. You know, it's interesting. Uh, and you don't, you don't want to put too much on, on Luke and comparing him to his brother, but Christian McCaffrey earned all pro uh, last season at running back and at flex, uh, one of three players in NFL history to be an all-pro at two positions in the same season. And, you know, I think Luke has a lot of those same qualities. People saw in Christian, you know, how versatile he is and what he did for the Panthers a year ago. Um, Luke is, is, uh, is built the same way with his skill set, I, I would argue. Not, not a, a traditional running back like, like uh, the older McCaffrey, but just his athleticism, he gives you a lot of the same things, certainly at the college level. And if you look at like what the Saints do, have done with Taysom Hill, um, I think there's some things there that Nebraska can, can, uh, can use. Wh- whatever the case, and, and Scott Frost and Matt Lubick and Mario Verduzco, I'm sure are getting their heads together and figure, figuring that out. Whatever the whatever the situation, um, you know, I feel pretty strongly that that they've got to find a way to really incorporate him into their game plan. Visiting again with Mitch Sherman of the Athletic here on Sports Nightly on the Husker Sports Network. Back to the fall and the season. You also did uh, a, a terrific piece with the athletic director from South Dakota State, an FCS school that is on Nebraska's schedule for week three of the season. And you have some people that feel like, boy, you can't take a chance playing an FCS school because they're not doing as much testing as the FBS guys are. Uh, what'd you find out when you, you called up there to talk to those folks? Yeah, Justin Sell, the AD at South Dakota State, he's been there for a long time and, and a guy who's been active in a lot of NCAA um, uh, governance or, or uh, you know legislation over the years on different committees. So I, I knew him from that, from my time at ESPN, having covered a couple of NCAA conventions. So um, got with uh, with Justin Sell on the phone this week. And, you know, I think he was, he was um, or he felt a little bit like South Dakota State had been misunderstood somewhat. There was an article last week that Dennis Dodd wrote on CBS Sports, and, and Cell was one voice in a bigger piece about Group of Five and FCS programs and what they're doing. And, you know, basically his only his only quote in that in that story was that they weren't testing. It wasn't part of their plan. And, you know, it goes deeper than that. It is part of their plan. They're not doing it right now because the only football players that South Dakota State has on campus or had on campus in the month of June were 30 or 40 guys who've been around Brookings since this thing began guys from mainly from South Dakota players who stayed and you know frankly the numbers are very low in Brookings they've had 60 cases I believe in the entire county South Dakota is is one of the um, less impacted states in the bottom 10 in in the entire country a third of the numbers of of what we have here in Nebraska and you know they they uh, they feel really good about the guys that they have on campus the 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 issue is going to come when 80 or 90 more players show up in July and testing is certainly a part of what they want to do. South Dakota state is not your cash draft, um, you know, uh, FCS program that is going to be scraping the bottom of the barrel to make this thing work at, at, at you know, at, at whatever the lowest cost is. They've, they're a partner with, with Sanford health, a huge uh, medical provider in South Dakota and, and North Dakota and other places around the country. And much like Nebraska, 
is teaming with the University of Nebraska Medical Center. South Dakota State is teaming with Sanford Health, and they're going to be administering testing when it's needed. And I would expect that the Missouri Valley Football Conference will have some kind of a standard in place, like you'll see in the Big Ten, uh, to require testing before they go on the road. So good conversation with Justin about a, a variety of things. And uh, I, I think if Nebraska had a different FCS opponent on the schedule, or you could even look at Central Michigan as a MAC team that might, that has already cut a couple of sports mm-hmm. during this pandemic and be maybe more concerned about what Central Michigan is going to be able to provide um, as far as safety for its student-athletes in South Dakota State. I don't think there's a reason to worry as much about South Dakota State driving down from Brookings. No, and I'm with you, and I, I never thought that game would be in jeopardy, although that's not been the, the common theme. Or Even around here, you've had some people who voice that they don't think that game takes place. It's a heck of a football team and program, too, Mitch. I mean, they're really yeah. good. Yeah, there's 15 Nebraskans on that, on that roster, and for those guys, every one of those guys who gets a chance to play in that game or gets to practice the week leading up to that game is a huge game uh, circled on, on the schedule. I mean, they're not going to match up to Nebraska man for man in terms of size and talent, but uh, they will be motivated to come to Memorial Stadium, not just this year, but in 2024 and in 2028. It's a three-game uh, deal that Nebraska has signed with South Dakota State. So, I, I, you know, I feel like Nebraska does the things that it needs to do. It, it's 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 going to be in good shape, but you give you give those guys, uh, you know, an inch here or there, and they're going to be eager to take advantage of it. And there's some recognizable names to uh, Nebraska fans on that roster. Nine kids from uh, the Omaha metro area, uh, including several who are in starting positions. Yeah, they had the Gophers on the ropes last year up in Minneapolis. Before I let you go, um, your thoughts about some of the news we're hearing out of Husker baseball the last couple of months. It seems pretty promising with some of the the guys that this program is attracting uh, for this coming year and for years down the road. What are your your thoughts on Will Bolt and that staff after one year? Yeah, Yeah, I'm glad you asked me that. And I've I've followed um, what they've done on the recruiting trail. And it seems that they've just had a a huge resurgence. And, you know, maybe it coincides with an uptick in talent around the state of Nebraska. But the the effort that that Will Bolt and his staff have made to go out and secure players from the state of Nebraska has been uh, very notable. Um, You know, you've seen players who've decommitted from other schools, you know, some by, by good fortune for Nebraska and others because of just good work in recruiting by Bolt and his staff. But, um, you know, it's, it's clear, much like it was for the coach that Will Bolt came up under at Nebraska 20 years ago, um, what their plan is in rebuilding this program, or not, not necessarily even in rebuilding, but in just in restructuring and getting it to a place that, that Will Bolt sees it being able to thrive. And that's going to be building this roster around Nebraska kids and Midwestern kids. And I know he's going to go to Texas where his roots are and recruit down there, and that's great. But, uh, you know, it's, it's difficult for Nebraska to see players go to Texas A&M or Wichita State or even go into pro baseball. And it'll be interesting to watch in years to come as the minor leagues, unfortunately, are getting smaller and you see what's going on in pro baseball. This may be an opportunity for Nebraska and programs like it who occasionally lose the top player in their own state to a professional contract to capitalize a bit. Um, but everything that they've done in recruiting so far uh, in all of Will's time, but in particular during the last couple of months, has been really impressive. 
Yeah, I'm I'm pretty jacked up. I think Husker fans ought to be as well. The the uh, future of that and the trajectory of that program. Well, Mitch, we always appreciate it. This will be a great time for folks to jump on to the athletic because you got Major League Baseball camps opening, NFL's going to get going. You guys cover it all and do a great job with it. Thanks. I appreciate you saying that. And, uh, hey, have a great, uh, great holiday weekend. No sports on this weekend. We've got you covered. I know everything about film. I've seen over 240 of them. Time now for Sports Nightly Flicks Picks. And action! All right, time for this week's edition. Ben McLaughlin, you get the bad leadoff for us here tonight. Yeah, absolutely. Back to the Netflix original series we go. This is one that I had started a few months ago and realized I never finished, so I got back into it. A show called The Society on Netflix. Six months ago, we were children. This is who we are now. This place looks like home, but it's not. There's nothing out there, guys. We're all alone. Mom, I'm alive, and Allie's alive. We just want to be with you at home, if there is a home. So the premise of the show is it's, it's this high school. Um, they, they're supposed to go on this trip. They all load up on these buses. Uh, they turn around on the buses. They come back to which they think is their home in their town, and everybody's gone. All their parents are gone. Their younger siblings are gone. It's just this group of high schoolers. And so, um, you know, there's obviously the, the period where they're wondering where everybody is. They, they put out search parties. Uh, all this weird stuff starts happening. They have to form like their own version of government, rationing food. And it, I thought, what a perfect time to get back into this with the coronavirus going on and living almost, uh, you know, a similar type type life. But it's definitely interesting. It the the ending of the show the, of the first season leaves some to be desired, but it's definitely enough to keep your attention for a season. Are Are you still in season one? I'm done with it. Yeah, there's there's one season and. Uh, yeah, I got, got through it. I, I went back and rewatched a couple of the episodes. The middle of it's the best. Once you start to get to episodes like two, three, four, and five, it starts to get pretty good. Very cool. All right. Awesome. Well, it's the 4th of July weekend, and that means there are only two movies that are going to be on in the Orman household. One of them is The Sandlot, because, of course, best baseball <laughs> movie of all time, in my opinion. And the other one yeah. features the greatest movie presidential speech in history, Independence Day. Will Smith. Those are the two classic 4th of July movies. Those are going to be on all weekend where I'm at. Okay, good for Love you. It. J- nice. Josh, welcome to the party. Hey, thanks. Uh, so all the way back in March, one of the first couple weeks that we started Flix Picks, I mentioned that I was watching Impractical Jokers. And yeah. I think it was you, Greg, that asked me if I had seen Impractical Jokers, the movie. And at that point, I hadn't, but I watched it uh, a little while back. And uh, here's a little bit of a tease for that. The world's greatest jokers are coming to the big screen. You're the impractical jokers. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I love you guys. I'm having this huge yeah. party. I'll see you in Miami? Yeah. Yes. She sent three tickets. We'll settle this. The four of us will compete in hidden camera challenges on the way down to Miami, and the loser doesn't go to the party. Your object is to get people to stop to help you. I lost my virginity in this car. It was a hell of a night. You show me what you have in the truck. You don't work for the fuzz, do you? <laughs> <laughs> you do the tattoo? Nice 
I'm just his number one fan. I need a little bit more crazy eyes. <laughs> what are we doing? Four grown men, we're out here jacking around. If you guys want to leave and go home, I'm ready to go now. No! So it, I came in to the movie with low expectations, but it actually, it, I, I thought there were parts of it that were really funny. Now, there was, it was kind of split back and forth between, like, they were acting out lines to a movie, uh, and then there were other parts where it was more like the actual show where they're doing improv and kind of, you know, skits with people who don't know, hidden camera skits. So uh, I like, there's definitely some laughs, so I, it was, I, there are a lot of low ratings from what I looked at, but I, I thought it was pretty good. Those guys have made it big. I mean, they they do a touring act. They've been out at uh, Pioneers Park, and uh, they yep. they have really made it big. They they have a unique sense of humor. I got a kick out of those guys. <laughs> I love I love documentaries, and this week ESPN ran one about the life of Eddie Sutton, the longtime college basketball coach. It was called Eddie. Here's a clip. He was a basketball genius who understood human nature and believed in human possibility. You kind of forget. He did what? He's won what? Coach, congratulations! You beat the number one team in the country! There is no question he is a Hall of Fame coach. There is no question. Pandemonium as Eddie Sutton's Razorbacks prevail. Oh my! We had this parade, and it was lined with people of all races. Black, they were white. And that sums up what we did through Coach Sutton with Arkansas basketball. And he said he had flair, you know, he had style. It became clear and clear that some, some was a little off kilter. Pretty cool documentary. He had some demons. He had drinking problems at Kentucky that cost him his job. He had to deal with the tragic plane crash for the Oklahoma State basketball team a few years ago. But it's worth your time if you're a college basketball fan to go back and watch that. He's originally from New York, but now calls the second city his home. He prefers seeing a yellow card over an icing call. His choice in pizza is still up for debate, but his knowledge of sports spans from boxing to yachting. Sponsored by Bathfitter, for the beautiful bath you've always wanted, kickstart your bathroom remodel by visiting bathfitter.com today. Now, here's the worldly Teddy Greenstein of the Chicago Tribune. Well, it's the man on a road trip. How, how's that going? Are you, are, you, are you Chevy chasing it with your family and the station wagon and cruising across America? Yeah, the family truckster is, uh, is definitely <laughs> something we need. And, and I, I've been looking for Christy Brinkley. Yeah. You know, now, what is that, like 1992 version of Christy Brinkley? What year do you think American Vacation came out? It had to be late 80s, I think, probably. Late 80s, absolutely. So yeah. I do feel a little bit like Chevy Chase. I kind of feel like that guy. Now, we haven't tied – did they have, like, Grandma fixed to the roof in one of those uh, in one of those episodes, yeah. in one of those versions? Yeah. We haven't lost anybody yet. Um, I did have to laugh. So, I mean, we drove from, from Chicago to Connecticut, um, and we stopped four times in the first, like, three and a half hours. <laughs> Partially because of me. I mean, every time I see like a travel center, I'm like, ooh, Popeyes, ooh, Starbucks. I, I need some of that. I'm hungry. So I can't blame it on my wife and daughters and their bladders. It was as much me as them. But it's probably a great way to, to travel now. I mean, for me, it was a no-brainer because we're here for about 10 days. The last thing, I, I didn't so much mind flying. But then the thought of, I don't know if you've flown into LaGuardia lately, 
you have to take not one, but two shuttle buses to the rental car lot. And then you'd have to rent a car for 10 days at about a hundred bucks a day. So I'm like, I don't want any of that. So we yeah. kept it safe, kept it easy and uh, not a bad drive out here. What are you noticing a difference with how, you know, restaurants and that type of thing in Connecticut to, from Chicago? Yeah. So Connecticut is really stringent. I mean, I had to laugh yesterday. We're going to play tennis and there's a big sign that says like, even in the parking lot, maintain six feet of oh. distance. There's no socializing in the parking lot. So that was one interesting thing. Now contrast that with, I played golf in Hartford today at a really cool, cool public course called Keeney Park, K-E-N-E-Y, Kenny Keeney. And there was a sound that I had not heard in all of 2020, which was a ball hitting the bottom of the cup. They actually don't have the foam inserts. Uh, I'm like, wow, you guys in Connecticut are really uh, rolling the dice here. You know, you can actually retrieve your ball. It was uh, it was very, very nice to, to be able to do that. So it is an interesting mix. But other places, I mean, you cannot walk into a restaurant or store without a mask. They are super tight. And I've seen some numbers. You know, obviously the Northeast is doing extremely well with COVID and Connecticut's uh, numbers are fantastic. So they have taken it seriously from the outset. I will note, here's one thing I love about the state of Connecticut, they never shut down golf. So they realized early on that this was the best COVID sport and good for the, uh, you know, good for the economy out here and good for all of our states of mind to be able to get out and play. You missed the PGA boys by a week, right? Yeah, and it's funny because um, the guys who work for the Travelers, that event, are the best in the business. They uh, are very friendly. They, we, we see them every year at Augusta National, so I've always wanted to cover that tournament, but last week wouldn't have been the one. I think they had just a total of 15 media members there. And, Greg, i got to tell you, man, that's what's going to be so interesting, um, you know, once baseball comes back, assuming it does. Uh, I was reading a lot of the regulations uh, handed down, you know, to the Baseball Writers Association of America, it sounds like everything is by Zoom. So, you know, what we're used to, you meet with the manager before the game, you, you know, you're in the clubhouse. Obviously, I knew that wasn't going to happen. I knew they're not going to let us there, but I thought maybe we'd be able to talk to guys in the dugout. Whew, the glory days of sports writing are over, my friend. Hopefully they'll come back after we get a vaccine. Uh, but for now, I don't even know if it makes sense to go to a baseball game you're covering because you have to wear a mask the whole time and all the interviews are by Zoom. So what's the actual point of being there? So I think we're all going to be like bloggers. We're all going to be basically, you know, analyzing the games, getting some quotes, but not relying on those quotes as much. It's going to be more about the actual games, breaking it down than, you know, what uh, an outfielder said before the game and you know you know why are you four for 23 why why are you you know why are you hitting better it's gonna be more about the games themselves it'll be interesting yeah i think college football may be the same thing when we get to that in the fall the hartford yeah. tournament the travelers tournament dustin johnson won it that makes 13 <laughs> straight years teddy he's won a pga event yeah. that's really remarkable did you see his drive on the 72nd hole impressive <laughs> 352 maybe he was about yeah. 70 yards farther than his playing partner it is dustin is that weird mix of uh you know a total knucklehead and yet a guy who is put together enough to be consistent to to have consistent performances to do it year after year after year um 
you know, you didn't know after he had that meltdown years ago at Whistling Straits if it was going to affect him a long time. And obviously, you know, from covering the tour that he, he was in the hunt for majors so many times before he won that, that U.S. Open at Oakmont. So uh, you, you never know with him, like, is he, is he so dim that it doesn't affect him or, <laughs> uh, or does it? But bottom line is when you can bust it 350 down the middle on a hole where you need, I think he needed par for victory. And then it just, he just makes the game look so easy at certain points. Um, what's remarkable to me, are, are you already used to the fact that there are no galleries at golf tournaments? To I me, am. like, absolutely. I, I, I mean, it seems almost second nature now. I thought it would be so strange. Something about our brains that we were able to adjust to things kind of quickly. I don't know that the players love it because it, that usually stops those wayward shots that they hit. Exactly. There's no way. So, first of all, they can't bounce it off the gallery and get yeah. a nice roll onto a green. Also, you know, those areas are not trampled down. And then they don't get the feedback. Like, I think sometimes those guys, you know, when they're hitting it from 220 or 230, or if it's uphill, certainly can't see what the result is, and they're relying on the fans and uh, and their reactions. So I think it's probably a complete negative for them, except for the fact that, you know, now they don't have to sign autographs. They don't have to, you know, waste their time kind of schmoozing. Um, there's no expectation of that anymore. So. I guess they can practice more than uh, than they would have under normal circumstances. It, it hasn't bothered me at all watching them on. I mean, right. it hasn't bothered my enjoyment of the sport at all watching it on TV with no gallery. It really hasn't. The question is, would it for the Masters? It and would. It would mm -hmm. have to for the Ryder Cup. I mean, mm -hmm. that was clearly the right decision. I almost don't know why they waited that long. There are just certain ones where you say, it's not right. It can't happen. And to me, college football, it, it might be one of those as well. I mean, if there's no tailgating and, you know, and there are only 10 or 15,000 fans, maybe 20,000 fans, it's going to be so weird. Yeah. Um, but that's the least of our concerns for the college football right now. I mean, ever since we talked, maybe it's been two weeks ago now, and I had spoken to that, you know, high up official who said 50-50 at best. It is looking so bad. And you know what? As a country, we only have ourselves to blame because, you know, we could have contained this in March, April, and May if everybody had been, you know, really behaving themselves in Florida and Texas and Arizona and different places. And instead, everybody was so eager to reopen. And um, and now I think we've, uh, we've really kind of screwed ourselves because now it's incredibly hard to justify asking you know, college athletes to come back, um, you know, they're going to come back to campuses. They're going to be tons of students there. Everybody's going to be bringing COVID from different parts of the country. You can't ask them to live in a bubble. You can certainly ask that of the NBA guys. You can probably ask that of the NFL players who that's their job. I don't think you can ask it of college football players. So I guess we'll know fairly soon here um, what the plan is. Sandy Barber, the longtime athletic director at Penn State, yesterday was did a press conference and said was asked about the possibility of moving it to the spring, and the comment yes. was that's that's a last resort. I, I don't I don't even know yes. if that's even in play in those guys' minds when they sit and meet. Right. Yeah, you know Pete Thamel's been writing about that forever. Stu Mandela, the athletic, wrote about that today. I saw. You know, I would say the last, last, last resort is spring. 
If you play in the spring, first of all, I think all of your good draft eligible players will take a pass and who would possibly blame them. So you've got that issue. Then you've got the issue of, can you really tell college kids of that age that you got to suit up twice in one calendar year? I understand that they're saying, well, push back the 2021 season. Is that worth it? I mean, obviously we're all in the same boat. We all are dying for college football. Uh, Some is better than none. But to do it where you're, you know, you only have, you know, I don't know, 80% of your roster, all the good players are sitting out, and then you got to start the next season in October. And, and is that even fair for injured players? I just don't see it. Um, I'm still hopeful that somebody, some teams will be playing maybe, maybe eight weeks, something like that. It seems like the SEC schools are determined, even though in a lot of instances, you know, they have the highest caseloads. It's been interesting to see how you know Penn State is low, Indiana is low, Notre Dame is low. But, you know, I, I think about this, Greg. I think about Kevin Warren, the Big Ten commissioner, and I think about everything he has said since he's gotten the job. Unlike Jim Delaney, who was really more of a businessman, Kevin Warren is a guy who thinks about the student-athletes. His son plays football at Mississippi State. And if you're going to guess which way that guy is going to lean, if there's an issue of – safety of the players versus finances, he's going to lean on the safety of the players. Now, ultimately, it will still be the chancellors and the presidents who decide, but I think they're going to look to him for guidance. And if they do, I, I really don't think it will going to be planned. Well, all right. Uh, you're going to shoot some fireworks off. What's the plan for you the next two days? <laughs> we got to do some of that. Uh, apparently, there have been a lot of noise complaints in Chicago. <laughs> Related, related to that. So, uh, yeah, so that's really not going to be an issue. But, yeah, man, there'll be a lot of grilling, a lot of good eating. Um, there's some place down the road here. It's just like an outdoor restaurant that has lobster roll. Oh. Uh, I don't know. Are you more of a hot lobster roll guy or a cold lobster roll guy? I, I like it cold, actually. Yes. So the cold it has the mayo and the celery yep. and all that. Yep. I, I like both. They have a two-for-one special on Thursday nights. So I am going to go to town on that. And, um, yeah, man, and keep hoping that uh, we get some good COVID news and we can uh, have a college football season. Well, enjoy, be safe, and we'll chat next week with you. Awesome, Greg. Be well, man. It's summer. The Huskers are sharpening their skills with seven-on-seven drills. We're keeping Greg and Ben in shape during the off-season with some seven-on-seven of our own. Seven topics. A seven-nation army couldn't hold me back. From sports. From Manning, seven touchdown passes. To pop culture. I never joke about my work, 007. It's time to go seven-on-seven on Sports Nightly. Well, we're no Delete 8, seeing as there are only four of us. So we're trying to come up with a catchy name. But, you know, I really don't have anything. Fantastic Four is taken. Final Four is taken. Anyone have any suggestions? None. Nothing comes I was to say, mind. I'm not good at coming up with that kind of thing. It's not my forte. Call ourselves Think the Over about Four. It. <laughs> anyway, this, this is seven on seven. So let's jump right into it here. Topic number one, we start in the video game world with NBA basketball. NBA 2K has been announcing its different cover athletes over the last couple days. There's a special edition honoring Kobe Bryant and two other covers, one featuring Zion Williamson, the other featuring Damian Lillard. So we asked you guys, would you rather have Williamson, Lillard, or any five-year stretch by Kobe on your team over the next five years? 
Five-year stretch from Kobe. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that. I think that's the most proven guy. Williamson could get there, but he's way unproven at this point. Lillard's really good, but I don't know that he's a guy that kind of just throws a ton of fear in you like Kobe would. I'd probably go Kobe. Not taking yeah. the athleticism and the potential of Zion even over the next five years? Yeah, Zion needs to show me a little more. And I Yeah. When it comes time to taking over a game, I mean – I don't know that I don't know that Zion's ever going to be the guy to go get you fifty, like Kobe can. He what about Zion versus Damian? Spurs had nineteen in the fourth quarter. Yeah, but he also made three threes. When is that ever going to happen? Fair. True. You're making him mad, man. He's a Duke guy. I mean, <laughs> this, this is what this is all about. <laughs> right. That's that's the the whole thing. Well, what about if you just break it down to the other two? So Williamson against Lillard. Which which ones would which one would you have like right now? Um, that's tough. I, I think I would need to know like what my supporting cast is around both of them. Like, sure. if you're giving me the Cleveland Cavaliers, I get to put one of those guys on my team. I'm probably still taking Dame, honestly. Um, but if, if you're putting me on a team that has a good point guard, give me Zion all day. Like, if here, let me put it to you this way. If you say Zion's, what, a four? D- yeah, Dame's yeah. a one? Right. If, if you give me a good one with Zion or a good four with Dame, I'm taking a good one with Zion. Fair enough. I, that's a good way Fair. to break it down. Yeah. Well put. All right. Uh, sticking with basketball for topic number two, earlier today on Instagram Live, Bronny James, the son of LeBron James, was asked who his dad is, and uh, he responded by saying Steph Curry, and then he Ooh. went on to turn around and hit a long-range shot. So he was obviously kind of messing around, but um, if you guys could have any current or former professional athlete be your dad growing up, who would it have been? Wow. I think Bronny's supposed to play in Omaha this upcoming year. I think that was, that was announced yes. the other week. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, so if I could pick a guy to be, it would be my dad? Yes. Ooh. That was That's a professional oh. athlete or was a professional athlete. Anybody come to mind, Ben? <laughs> I mean, I hate to keep bringing him up, but give me a guy like Peyton Manning just because – and the only reason I say Peyton is because he doesn't really have any athletic ability. You know what I mean? Like, you don't look at him and go, man, that guy's a tremendous athlete. Like, people don't see me walk down the street and they go, man, that guy that guy looks like he can, he can jump. Or that guy can really, you know, move. So if I, had, if I had Peyton as a dad, he might teach me to be athletic without looking athletic. Fair. All right, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm struggling with this one. I mean, maybe a golfer like Phil. He could teach you how to be a good golfer. Phil would be fun to be around. Uh, Phil, yeah. when we did that thing about who would you want to play with, I had Phil number one because I think he'd be a blast to play with. But I don't know that he's a dad type. Right. Uh, well, I need a little bit more discipline like, probably. Right. Like well, John what, Daly. There you go. Maybe I was going to say is. Maybe Arnold Palmer. I mean, that guy yeah. was an entrepreneur. He, he learned how to fly. He could teach me how to fly a plane. That would be kind of cool, I think. Oh, yeah. Make my own drinks. Love it. <laughs> I uh, was going to say somebody like Greg Maddox, but Ben's on the right track. With You want somebody who's, like, good at what he does, 
and is like a star in the game, but you want them to be a guy who can have fun too. And I, like, I feel like Greg Maddox might have been a little bit too buttoned up and like taking things a little bit too seriously. Whereas Peyton, he he can have fun, which is which I think is yeah. kind of what you want. Peyton Manning came to mind for me. Also, Tom Osborne got a cup of coffee in the NFL. I feel like he's one of those too. You know, you're gonna learn a lot. That from can him. count. He's like a father figure type of guy. Yeah. There we'll, you go. We'll stick ben, with the- you're, ba- you're back in Austin's good graces because you mentioned a Colt. So you're back. <laughs> no, he's you're still back pissed. In- I said Zion. It's <laughs> third place, so. Got to stick up for mine. You got to stick up for yours. I respect it. <laughs> Don't hate the player. Hate the game. <laughs> but we'll stick with the social media theme here for topic number three. Uh, former NFL quarterback Jake Cutler spent the last week letting his followers on social media in on a mystery from his personal life. So apparently his chickens have been killed by something. He wasn't quite sure what it was, but he managed to solve the case yesterday, revealing that it was a raccoon. And so to figure this out, Cutler spent the night in a tree stand wearing night vision goggles to figure it out. So what rodent or insect has terrorized your home and how did you solve the problem? I love you me know, some smoking Jay Cutler. <laughs> um, you know what's really irritating this time of year is if you have some frogs around your house mm. and they just rib it all night long. They just kind of make yeah. that rrrr at night. And you tough. can't find them. You can't find yeah. those suckers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the so equivalent to that at, at my house is the cricket. I can never find those things, and those things are annoying. Yeah. So I don't know that I ever remedied the problem because I can't find them. But, man, they're just eerie. You lay there in bed, and you're going, God, shut up. Um, the, the one that used to be a problem, and this is going to be pretty gross, but, hey, for the sake of honesty, like, sure. rabbits in my yard would poop all over my grass, and when my dog was a puppy, she would eat it. Oh. And that's, like, uh, yeah. that's bad for dogs. That's bad for puppies. <laughs> and so we tried to keep the rabbits out of the yards because, obviously, they don't do that. They wouldn't do that in, my, in our yard. But it's just those, those little rascals just find ways to get in there constantly. So... Thankfully, she's grown out of that stage, and it's not as big of a deal. But those would be my two answers, crickets and bunnies. Hey, fair enough. And by the way, how about how awesome of Jay Cutler of a response to his wife wanting to – Ex-wife. With, yeah, Kristen Cavalier wanting all his money and him saying, go get a job. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We – we almost had that as a seven-on-seven topic, a, you know, a month or two ago, whenever that came out, and we just couldn't come up with a, a good question for it. So that, can we that can we find can we find Jay Cutler's former teammates and like crack some cold ones to where we can get his, their teammates all loosened up and get some good Jay Cutler stories because you know oh. you know there are some awesome Jay Cutler stories from his former teammates in Chicago. Yeah. And that needs to be like gonna, a podcast. Oh like a yeah, podcast with his yeah. former teammates. And yeah, and he's one of those perfect. guys that just always looks like he does not care. Like you know what I mean? Like what in time? a Super Bowl, doesn't oh. care. Over zero and sixteen, doesn't care. Whatever. College. He Jay obviously Cutler cared about his his rab- rabbits. Yeah. True. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, topic number four, we, we have a similar one to this every single year, it seems like, on 7-on-7, seven seven, but we'll do a new version of it here in 2020. Cubs pitcher Jose Quintana needed surgery on his left thumb earlier this week after slicing it while washing dishes. Yeah. The 31-year-old lefty suffered the cut at his Miami home, and the wound required five stitches. He's expected to be able to start throwing a baseball again 
in a couple weeks. And we've had similar topics to this before. And when we did, we asked you what the strangest injury to an athlete you can think of. But we're going to switch it up this year. We're going to ask you guys what the most disappointing injury you can remember happening to an athlete that you liked, that you were really disappointed, might have cut their career short or a season short, kind of changed things up. And I have one here if you guys need time to think. Yeah, there are two that come to mind immediately. And they're both Huskers. Uh, Amir Abdullah's sprained MCL on that botched play uh, is the first one that comes to mind. And the second one is I've always wondered what could have been with Taylor Martinez if he didn't hurt his toe. Yeah. So those are the two that jump into mind immediately. I've got a Husker and a non-Husker. I'll go non-Husker first. The Chiefs, about 20 years ago, maybe, maybe longer, had a linebacker by the name of Percy Snow. And he was driving around training camp on a scooter, and he wrecked the scooter. And he was out for like he had to go on IR because he was out for like the first half of the season. It was, I think he was their number one pick out of Michigan State. And so I remember that because I remember covering that camp, and everybody's like, "Are you kidding me?" He crashed a scooter driving around on the college campus. My Husker one is our own Jake Muleheisen, who was mm. got off to a great freshman year with the Huskers. Sophomore year, he's down in Lawrence playing the Jayhawks, and he banged into the basket support and just messed up his hip and wasn't the same player ever again. Yeah. yeah. Another no, one that good. jumps into mind is Trey Bryant yeah. uh, with the yeah. with the knee injury. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, mine was, as a Twins fan, Francisco Liriano was one of the more dominant pitchers his rookie season, and yeah. late in his rookie year, he messed up his elbow, had to have Tommy John, and then wasn't really the same guy after that. He had probably one of the most devastating sliders in baseball history in his rookie year he was like 14 and 2 and had like a one something era he was just absolutely mowing people down and i kind of wanted to know what he would have been like if he had been able to keep pitching so all right topic number five we'll stick with baseball here so last night you guys mentioned it was bobby bonilla day yesterday so he's the former major league player hasn't played in two decades but he has been and will continue to be paid 1.19 million dollars every year until he's 72 years old that'll come in 2035 but we want your guys's opinion on which professional franchise has the worst history of contracts Ooh, i mean the yankees are up there i mean it would be yeah. You, know, you go you go look at and, and and they're not necessarily the first team that jumps in some people's minds because of the caliber of names that they sign but most of those guys are so far past their prime they've gone away from it recently but like you go to like five years ago and it was just yeah. it was a breeding ground for retirement players is what it was yeah. <laughs> how about well, staying, yeah, they, staying in that yeah. season and going with the new york knicks how many bad yeah. deals the knicks have done over their owner Dolan just keeps I mean you can go on down the line that Carmelo's deal wasn't very good I mean they just have really botched a bunch of things you could make the argument that the team that is still suffering from the dumbest signings is the Detroit Tigers I mean they are still suffering the consequences from signing the big three, Miguel Cabrera, Justin Verlander, and Prince Fielder, those monster deals. Mm-hmm. And they're a pile of garbage now because of it. They, they just can't – they don't – they had to – all their money went to those three guys. They ended up shipping all of them well, except for Miggy out. And, mm-hmm. I mean, even him right now is not worth the 20-some million dollars a year that he's making. It's, it's, that crippled the franchise. Well, and I think that Major League Baseball lends itself to bad deals because there's no salary cap. So teams will just go crazy with their money 
and a lot of like you mentioned the Yankees. That's a perfect one because they just spend and spend and spend. So they will end up, you know, paying way over paying guys for one or two years, and they sign mm-hmm. these you know giant five year contracts. And, and you go look at all the it. the guys that played in their prime in the late '90s to early 2000s, and had the last team they played on was the New York Yankees, and how much money they made in the last year or two of their career, it, it would be sick. Yep, no doubt. All right, topic number six here. Yesterday, the word irregardless was added to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary. It's a commonly used word, but proper English said before yesterday that regardless is the word that should always be used, and irregardless isn't even a word at all. But that all ended yesterday, so irregardless can be used interchangeably with regardless. Um, And the Merriam-Webster Twitter account later joked that the English language is now dead. So um, what's you guys' biggest pet peeve when it comes to people misusing grammar? Or what's something that you know that you say wrong but think should be changed, like irregardless? There's a handful of things that I say that I know probably aren't grammatically correct or maybe are stretch words at best. I always um, mix up the theirs, you know, when yeah. you're trying to tweet there and it, it reads there, there, there. A lot yep. of times it will correct you and it's not the right correction that it makes. And you send it out and people come the you know, the grammar patrol comes after you pretty hard. And if, if you've watched how I met your mother, remember how irritated Ted would get with the uh, literally and figuratively. Yeah. The, the mix up of those <laughs> yep. two words. I'm yeah, trying to think there there is there is one word I'm trying to remember what it is that people that when people say is um I, I'm not a huge fan of like so. Like when people yeah. say, mm-hmm. you know, you do it like so. Well obviously I'm I'm watching you do it. You know, you, like yeah. <laughs> I, I see how so. <laughs> well it, one that it, came to my mind was the word anyways. Like you say any yeah. you should the correct way is anyway, but a lot of people will add on the S. That one I remember bothering me all the way I don't back think, when I was a kid. I don't think the word athleticism is actually a word, and boy, we use it all the time in sports. Oh, that's the athleticism true. on this guy is amazing. Like that's I don't well, think that's a word. I'm sure there Physicality. are. It kind of goes back to Top Ten Tuesday. There are a lot of different things that are cliches in, in yep. sports, baseball especially, where we, we probably are stretch, stretching things a lot. <laughs> yeah. I know my mom hates orientate. That's one that has bugged mm. her for so yeah. many years. She always one, I'll, I'll give you a word that I that I always struggle with, and it's a, and it's a title that I've had. And you would think that, you know, once you've had that title, or you, when someone asks, you know, part of what you do, you would be able to explain it well. Statistician, like I feel like a lot of times I end up saying statistician, yeah, and and not say the word correctly. And I'm like, nah, that's not right try that one again <laughs> stats guy I, I always try to avoid s- the phrase sh- sore shoulder i have a hard time getting that out <laughs> or shoulder Baseball. surgery yeah <laughs> Ooh, oh it could be nasty oh. uh, yeah good stuff all right well speaking of things being nasty we have a little bit of a sad note here to cap the seven on seven sad story from the state of delaware two men drowned earlier this week in the murder kill river their bodies were found a couple hours after they went missing and without even knowing this story what would it take for you guys to swim in the murder kill river and are there any other geographic features or towns that you want to stay away from based on their name um trying to think I mean, if there was like a, a pot of gold, or maybe if Nessie was floating around in Murder Kill River, I'd go check it out. 
<laughs> but yeah, not much. There's not much that would make me want to go go check that place out. Yeah, I think I'd skip that. Maybe Shit's Creek. I don't know that I want to visit there. <laughs> too wacky a town. Hell, Michigan, anyone? Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Is there anything like that in the state of Nebraska? This kind I, of one of those spooky names. To, I can't. Yeah. I can't come. I was up trying to think more. of that earlier today, and I couldn't think of anything in Nebraska. Yeah, I don't. Well, but, I'm sure there is. Somebody will probably have that. But yeah, Good I'm stop, not. Boys. Yeah, I'm not going to murder kill anytime soon. <laughs> well, Josh, we'll say goodbye to you. Have a good 4th of July. All right, sounds good. Go we'll blow make some Austin, stuff up. We'll make Austin <laughs> hang around at the end of the show, but Josh Josh can take off for the night. There's a couple minutes left in this hour of Sports Nightly. All right, what are you going to do this weekend? Big plans? Just going to hang out with Kennedy at home? What are you doing? I am gonna, I'm going to give golfing with a broken toe a shot on uh, on Saturday. It. I've been I've been preparing myself for it. I went to the driving range earlier this week just to make sure it was even possible. Uh, I'm definitely not at 100%. For those that have played golf, try golfing without putting weight on your front foot. I can put some weight on my front foot, but teeing off is going to be rather difficult. But it's my favorite golf outing of the year, the 4th of July. A bunch of us get together and play, and I'm just going to power through it. You know, you just got to suck it up and get through it. Can you get a shoe on? I I can. Uh, it's not like one of those deals where you can just slip it on. Like it's a process, and I feel like the the like there's constant compression around my foot, which you don't really think that happens. You think once the shoe's on, it's just on. But every time I've put my foot in a shoe, I can feel it like kind of compress. But just gotta just gotta power through it. You know, you gotta get through it. I'm the one that did this to myself. Are you going to try to play 18? Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. How early a tea time do you have? It's been pretty It's at like there. 8.30 or oh, 9. Not bad. No. You should, get, you should get 9 in before it just starts to bake you a little right. bit. Yeah. Yeah. Humid. Are you out of Are you out of the – you must be out of the boot. I, I'm not supposed to be, but I've still got it taped up. Still got it taped up. Um. I, I shed the crutches after like two days. I just couldn't do it. I'm like I'm I'm over these things, um, but yeah, I, I do have I do have the boot. The boot like is starting to give me blisters on the on the back of my heel. So that thing's that thing's been put away too. Yeah. Hey, how cool has it been to see the Northwoods League has opened up the College Baseball League up north? That's opened up. It's it's great to see some Husker baseball players getting some at bats and some some action here. Heck yeah! And to just go play, you know, take your mind off the virus, take your mind off your eligibility issues, all that stuff. Just go play some ball. I think that's just what some of these guys need. Yeah, good stuff. I know that the Wood Bat League in the state. A couple of franchises is underway. Several Huskers up in that Northwoods League. They go up there a lot. That's a pretty competitive college summer league, and good to see the guys out there doing that. Thanks to Teddy Greenstein for spending some time with us. He does that every Thursday night here on Sports Highly, and also our 7-on-7 was top-notch again this week from Austin and Josh. That'll do it for this hour. Another hour ahead. Come on back.